This is episode 263, featuring a conversation from the Elevate Your Running podcast, where I was a guest on the topic of strength training for runners. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode features an interview from the Elevate Your Running Podcast. I was interviewed by Coach Sarah Manderscheid and Austin Myers about strength training for runners, how to schedule workouts, body weight versus heavyweights, recovery, mistakes to avoid, and more. I hope you enjoy this, and if you do, get our free strength course at strengthrunning.com strength. If you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. I want to help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on injury prevention for runners, short strength workouts specific to the demands of running, and more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve with our award-winning blog, our free email courses on topics like strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and improving your mindset. Plus, all of Strength Running's training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. You can see all of those at strengthrunning.com slash coaching. We are supported by my favorite electrolyte company, Element. This summer, prevent the symptoms of electrolyte imbalances like headaches, cramps, fatigue, and weakness with Element. If you've eliminated most processed foods from your diet, you're also likely eliminating the largest source of sodium, according to the FDA. Get a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. They'll send you a sample pack with one packet of each flavor so you can try them all out before committing. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to claim your free gift. We're also supported by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes AG1, one of the few supplements that I think are worth your time. I love this stuff. It's the most popular greens mix on the market with 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens. To make taking control of your health even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Jason and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly subscription to make AG1 a part of your ongoing nutrition plan. I try to have one serving every day of AG1 to help me cover my bases and for a nice boost of midday energy. See all the details at athleticgreens.com Jason. I also want to take a hot minute here and thank you for propelling this podcast into the number one position on the charts this last week. The Strength Running Podcast was the most popular running podcast in the United States, and I have you to thank for that. If you'd like to share your appreciation, a review is the most appreciated way to do so. All right, the interview you're about to listen to has the tables turned. I'm being interviewed for once, this time by Coach Sarah Manderscheid and Austin Myers. They host the Elevate Your Running Podcast, 
which you should check out wherever you listen to podcasts. Their mission is to elevate your running, mind, and spirit through information, inspiration, and relatability. They want their show to fill you with joy and encouragement to show up as the best version of yourself each run and each day. Our topic is strength training and all of the small decisions we make as runners around this topic. Without further delay, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah and Austin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Elevate Your Running podcast. I am your host, Austin Myers, and I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Mandershad, and we have a special guest, Jason Fitzgerald, with us today. We are so excited to get into a great discussion on everything strength training and running, and we're going to kick it off like we always do with our elevated moments. My elevated moment as we now get into the month of August, is to be back in a marathon training cycle. This is now my third marathon build and an exciting one as I train for the New York City Marathon and uh, getting back into the swing of the workouts that marathon training provides and and just the feelings before a big run and and all of those great things. So looking forward to another opportunity to to grow not only as a runner, but also in all of the other ways that running and marathon training can help us to grow. Sarah, how are you today? And what is your elevated moment? Hey, Austin, I'm doing okay. I love your elevated moment because I love marathon training too. And anytime, um, you know, a big workout's coming up or you have a big long run, like it's just so many great feels surrounding that. Um, and I think that's one of the cool pieces to training is being excited for the the runs that are going to maybe feel a little bit harder, feel intense, or or get the excitement going. Um, so I'm so excited for you running New York in a few months. It's going to be here before we know it. Um, and I can't wait to follow you on your journey of uh, all things training for New York City. Um, my elevated moment also connects to marathon training. Last week, I talked about how I've been doing a lot of workouts um, after my long run on Sundays. And I had a really tough workout a few weeks ago and wasn't really hitting my splits. The goal is to hit goal pace on really tired legs on a Sunday after a really big week and after the long run on Saturday. And um had some really great feedback from my coach. She decided to keep the same workout as prescribed on Sunday, which was 7K at goal pace. Um, I hit about just shy of 60 miles and for the week total. And I was able to go into that workout feeling phenomenal. I felt so good. And I was able to hit pace exactly the way we wanted for that 7K. I mean, I started out a little too hot, but I think we all know that one, I always do that. So it's going to be you know, a good thing to kind of lean into for this cycle of not always doing that and learning how to like slow my roll a little bit, but also like having someone just lift you so high in that moment of feeling like I, you know, didn't execute the workout the week before. And I was able to execute the, the workout the week, the next week or the following week, because my coach believed in me. And she's like, we're keeping this on the schedule. We're doing this. We're actually adding time to it because I know you can do it. Um, so I was really, really um, excited after that workout. And I think the coolest part of all of it was as I was finishing and heading back to my car, I was getting um, turning back into Tom Watson parking lot. 
she was there starting her long run. So I was able to like say hi and it was just a really great moment. So um, a huge, huge win for the marathon training build uh, to Chicago. That is so awesome to hear. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So we have Jason Fitzgerald with us. He is the strength running guy. Uh, He has a podcast. He has a strength running blog, website. He has programs. He does everything. Um, So Jason, we are so excited to have you here. Um, Would you like to share your elevated moment before we begin? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Wow, I'm just I'm so excited for both of you guys. Uh, Austin, New York City was my first marathon back when I first got into marathons. If you haven't done it before, you're going to absolutely love it. Great course, amazing crowds. And uh, Sarah, you're running workouts the day after a long run. You are one tough cookie. <laughs> so my elevated moment is actually uh, a fast packing adventure I had on Sunday. I did a little over 14 miles around Buffalo Mountain in Silverthorne, Colorado. And it was sort of like a, a 60, 70% hike, and then maybe 30, 40% running. But a lot of the terrain was you know, up at 11,000 plus feet altitude. And it was really technical uh, with a lot of elevation gains. So a lot of it, you couldn't really run. So it was primarily a hike, but I tried to run a lot of the flat sections and some of the downhills. So it was just this really amazing way to get in uh, a, a hike that was also sort of a run. And I was able to see some absolutely stunning mountain range views. And, you know, I just love being in the mountains. So anytime I can go up there and spend five hours walking around a mountain, enjoying the views is definitely an elevated experience in my book. That is so awesome to hear, Jason. Uh, I know I I used to live in Colorado. Just a little background. I was living in Colorado for the the eight months preceding the summer. And and uh, now that I'm back in Kentucky, seeing seeing everyone's activities on Strava from Colorado, uh, I'm pretty envious because it's some cool stuff out there. So that's an awesome elevated moment to hear. Jason, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while. Um, I think that you are you know, very knowledgeable in the field of, of strength training and how it relates to running. And I think that's extremely important for for our audience and honestly us as as hosts who love running and and want to become stronger runners could you just kind of give us a background of how you got into this space and uh what drew you to the idea of strength running yeah well i i admittedly <laughs> i i admittedly purchased the strengthrunning.com domain name just because it sounded cool so i don't want anyone to think that i'm some mad genius and i had some foresight of <laughs> you know, thinking 15, 20 years into the future. But, you know, I always knew that to be a good runner, you had to be a strong runner. And that doesn't necessarily mean the strength of your muscles. It's also mental strength. It's aerobic strength. You know, it's just a great way of framing some of the physical and mental skills that runners need to be successful. And, you know, I am probably going to come across as an absolutely huge strength training cheerleader in this episode, but I want to be upfront that I would rather be out running myself. I am not someone who loves strength training. So, you know, I am just like almost every runner out there. I would rather be putting in a couple extra miles than spending time in the gym, lifting a barbell. But I also recognize that strength training is so absolutely critical to 
runners being able to accomplish their goals, whatever they might be, whether you're a marathoner and you want to run your first marathon, or you're someone like Sarah and you just want to keep getting faster and you've already qualified for Boston and you just want to, you know, really see what you're capable of. No matter what kind of goal that you might have, strength training is is going to be able to help you do it. So on the one hand, I don't love it, but on the other hand, I recognize that it is so essential to runners being able to do what they love to do, and that's running. So I don't even really consider strength training cross training. You know, I just consider it part of the training that us runners have to do if we want to achieve our goals. So just like, you know, we're going to do a dynamic warm up before our run, or we're going to do some strength training a couple of days a week, and then we're going to do workouts and long runs, and maybe we'll do some strides or form drills. All of these things have their place in a good running program. And I think too many runners have been skipping their strength training, but I've been so excited to see this sort of renaissance in the running space over the last couple of years where a lot of runners have started recognizing that, look, if I want to stay healthy, if I want to be able to sprint at the end of a race and really finish strong and close hard, and if I want to improve my mechanics and my efficiency, then strength training is going to be a really big piece of that. And so I've seen a lot more runners get into strength training, which I just think is really exciting because as a coach, all I want is for runners to train well and to achieve their goals. And I just really don't think runners can do that without some good strength training in their program. Yeah, I, I really like that. And um, I've certainly heard that tossed around in, in the running space is that, you know, I, I don't want to go strength train for 60 minutes. I could go run X amount of miles in that amount of time. And certainly that's true. And I think that you know, once we accept it as a part of the process that is critical to being the strongest version of ourselves, that's when we allow it to be something maybe that we even enjoy because we see the benefits of it. Uh, I know that I certainly have. What do you feel is, you know, a lower or the lowest barrier of entry for people to enter this space? Because I think that sometimes they can get very caught up in in all of the complexities of it, right? They they feel like they have to be doing specific movements and there's almost information overload um, on the internet, certainly, um, and even on social media nowadays. So if someone is looking to get into strength training because they know it will make them a stronger runner, what can they be doing to kickstart that process? Yeah, I completely agree. Weightlifting can be a little bit intimidating, especially if you're new to strength training. And you know, look, like I'm I'm kind of your typical runner. I'm five foot seven, 130 pounds. Me walking into a weight room with a bunch of gym bros and I've got my split leg short shorts on, like that's an intimidating place for any runner, including, you know, someone like me who's still fairly comfortable in the weight room. And I frankly don't care what people are are thinking of me. But Nevertheless, it is kind of a weird space for runners. So I totally get it. Now, if someone is totally new to strength training, I actually don't think they should be getting into the weight room, loading up a barbell and trying to do a bunch of heavy squats or deadlifts that that can come later. There's real value in that, but we can start really simple. Just like if you were to start running, you wouldn't go for a 20 mile long run or go do a marathon or maybe even just get on the track and do a series of 400 meter reps at, you know, some really fast 5k effort or something similar, you would instead start with an easy run. So that's what we're essentially going to do with our strength training. We're going to do a short body weight workout where maybe it only takes 10 minutes. 
Maybe we're only doing five exercises and we might repeat that two or three times for a couple of sets. And this is always done after our run. We never really want to strength train and then go running because we should always prioritize our sport specific activity first, which as runners is running. So just getting started with some basic body weight exercises after a run is ideally the best way to do it. You know, these exercises are, you know, they can be very running specific, you know, things like lunges, body weight squats. Uh, a lot of the exercises that I recommend in a lot of the routines that I have on strength running are taken from the world of physical therapy. So if you're a runner and you've ever been injured and you go to the PT's office, they're probably going to have you do a lot of exercises like uh, side lying leg raises or clamshells or band work where you take an exercise band and you know, you're working on the hips and the glutes, which tend to be a little bit weak or imbalanced in runners. And they're also very important muscles for not only injury prevention, but also for performance. So a lot of those exercises are, are taken from the world of PT and they're either done at your body weight, or you're using something very simple, like a band. And these workouts are also not very long, you know, 10 minutes at a minimum, maybe you can go up to about 20 minutes. Um, but they don't have to be very hard and, you know, they don't have to be overly complex either. And I think this is one of the, the most basic ways to start. You know, I have a very simple approach where I like to see runners sandwich their runs in between a dynamic warm up at the beginning to help themselves warm up. You know, let's really, you know, prime the metabolism for running. You know, we're going to increase your heart rate, your perspiration rate. It improves your range of motion and then opens up capillaries and your, especially in your extremities, lubricates your joints. I mean, there's so many things to like about a good dynamic warm up, And a lot of those dynamic exercises are somewhat light strength exercises. So you can get a nice strength stimulus just from the dynamic warm up, especially if you're new to all this kind of work. And then after a run, we can do a 10, 15 or 20 minute post run core or strength workout that, you know, should focus on the areas that are important to runners. So we're definitely not going to be doing bicep curls or, you know, things like that, like a bodybuilder might do in the weight room. Instead, we're going to be doing things like planks and bridges and lunges and squats and push-ups, a lot of great exercises. And I think if, if we were to really kind of boil this down and keep it super simple. Runners should always focus on the basics, the fundamentals, you know, the exercises that everyone knows about. And that's because everyone knows about them for a reason. They are fundamental exercises. And you can usually take those exercises and get more complex with them over time. But if we're totally new to strength work, let's start with the basics. Let's get consistent with it. Because I think at the beginning, the most important thing is to gradually build the habit of doing some strength work, maybe two or three days a week. You know, we, uh, a few weeks ago, we did a, an episode where we busted a few common running myths. And one of the running myths that we addressed was the idea that strength training is not for runners. And certainly it's a myth. So um, that would be untrue. Strength training is for runners and it's crucial for runners. And in that discussion, we kind of broke it down into two buckets. The first bucket was strength training for injury prevention. And then the second bucket was strength training for more of like a, a strength gain and power output approach. So when considering that first bucket of injury prevention, what are some of the more common injuries that you see from runners 
And maybe what can we be doing proactively to address the possibility of that injury? Yeah. So some of the more common injuries that I see are IT band syndrome. That's a really common one among runners, Achilles tendinopathy, plantar fasciitis, runner's knee, shin splints. Those are probably the five top running injuries that I see are the most common among runners. Now, shin splints, even though I included it, it's kind of an injury that I, I kind of think is more of an annoyance than a real injury. You know, it can progress into uh, stress fracture or compartment syndrome, but that's much more rare. And most examples of shin splints are just cases where maybe you're just starting to run a little bit too much mileage too quickly before you're ready for it. Maybe we need to work on your form a little bit, but you know, that kind of an injury is something that is a little bit more of an annoyance and we can generally work through it most of the time. Now, the other injuries I would classify as real running injuries, which are technically called repetitive stress injuries. And, you know, I, I think one of the best ways to prevent injuries, and it almost doesn't matter what injury it is, whether we're talking about IT band syndrome or Achilles tendinopathy, two very different injuries, probably the best way of preventing every injury is to look at your training and make sure that you're following a good training plan. So this is essentially a distribution of load kind of a question. Are you training properly throughout the week? And that has everything to do with one, like a distribution of the effort over the course of the week. You know, you're not doing your two workouts and your long run, you know, back to back to back at the end of the week and then taking the rest of the week off. That is a structure that makes me very nervous as a coach. You're also not progressing too rapidly in either mileage or the distance of your long run, or in the complexity, duration, or overall difficulty of your workouts. So whatever training you're doing, you kind of have to do the training that your body is currently ready for, and then build from there. You know, I get a lot of runners who are like, I want to run a 310 marathon. Can you write me a training plan for that? And I go, well, hold on. I don't really write time-based training plans because you might not be nowhere near ready to run a 310 marathon. And someone could run 20 miles a week and run 310. And someone else would have to run 80 miles a week to run a 310 marathon. So it really depends on what you are currently doing and then taking the next logical step in terms of increasing the overall workload of your training. So getting the training right is like the number one strategy to reduce your injuries. The next best strategy for injury prevention, I think, is strength training. You know, once we're training well, layering in that strength training is almost like building some extra armor around your body to prevent you from getting hurt. It's like, you know, the armor that's going to protect you from all the impact forces of running. You know, you're going to strengthen not only your muscles, but also all those connective tissues in your joints and even your bones. So you're really going to be protecting yourself from all kinds of different issues. And you know, if we were to get more detailed from just make sure you're training well and make sure you're strength training, you know, we could also say if you're strength training, let's make sure that you are sandwiching every run. So let's do a dynamic warm up ahead of time, especially if you're someone who runs after, you know, sitting at a desk job all day. You know, we don't want to be sitting down for eight hours and then go to the track for a workout. We've got to loosen the body up. We've got to go through some extra ranges of motion and, and really prime the body for that harder work. And then we can finish our run with that 10 to 20 minute of body weight strength exercises. Now, I don't think we actually have to really change 
our approach to strength training too much based on the injury, except if the runner has a, just a real history of a recurring chronic injury. And I would probably recommend that person go see a physio or a physical therapist so that they can see if there's anything going on with that. But, you know, for someone who has a history of IT band syndrome, like myself, I tend to focus a little bit more on hip and glute strength, because I know those are the exercises that make me feel good. Those are the exercises that, you know, if my hips don't feel well, and I'm starting to get some of the beginning warning signs of that injury, I know that hip and glute oriented strength training just makes me feel so much better. And I could spend 15 minutes doing that. And I'm like a whole new man the next day. Now, if you're someone who gets a lot of lower leg or foot injuries, you probably want to add some more dedicated foot and lower leg strength work into your training. So, you know, again, me personally, I've had plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendinopathy, and I've strained my arch a bunch of times. I've had pretty much every injury you can imagine of the lower legs. And for me, what I've found works best is a little bit of barefoot running, which is almost like strength training for the feet. Uh, and when I say a little bit, it's like Elmer's glue, a dabble do you, you don't need a lot, just four strides barefoot on a nice, well manicured field or a synthetic turf field once or twice a week is, is great. Um, but if you are someone who feels like you do need some extra dedicated strength training for your feet, you could do something where, you know, you're putting a hand towel down on the floor and then you're putting a heavy book or maybe a one or two pound weight on the end of that towel. And then using your bare foot, you're scrunching that towel up with your toes, trying to drag that weight closer to your body. That's a really great way of practicing that motion and really getting good at moving your toes. So it's not just a strength exercise. It's also an exercise in coordination and proprioception with your feet. You can also put a bunch of small objects down on the floor, like marbles or Legos or, you know, wine bottle corks or something, anything like that. And then you could pick those up with your toes and then put them in a cup. And this is a little bit less of a strength exercise, more of a coordination exercise, but there's a little bit of both working there. And those are two great exercises for the feet. So it sort of depends on what injury the person has and the sort of history with that injury. You know, unless you have a chronic history with a particular injury, then I don't think we have to get too fancy with dedicated strength training for say your Achilles or, you know, your plantar fascia or something like that. You know, we can keep it pretty simple and get a lot of benefits. I absolutely love that, Jason. And I'm such a big believer in strength training and that it does move the needle at least 1%, if not more, when you're adding everything up to become a stronger, faster runner. If we have an athlete training for a 5k and we have another athlete training for a marathon, would they be doing the same strength training exercises and the same amount of time per week? Or does it change kind of based on the distance that you're training for? I think it starts to differ when we start getting into the weight room to start doing some more dedicated weightlifting exercises. Because once we start progressing our strength training, just like when we progress our workouts for our long runs, they get, everything gets more challenging. Everything gets a little bit more intense. And so if we are progressing our strength training from 10 to 20 minutes of body weight work after a run, the next step is to actually get in the gym and do some real weightlifting 
I think twice a week is ideal. You know, we don't need more than that. We're not bodybuilders. We don't need to spend so much time in the gym. Twice a week is ideal. And it really is a matter of, of intensity and weight and how much focus you want to put on power exercises. So for example, the 5,000 meter runner would probably want to lift a little bit heavier weight and they would probably want to do some additional power-based movements. You know, the Olympic lifts are a good example of power-based movements, you know, movements that really require some explosivity. You're not just trying to lift a weight, you're trying to lift it quickly. And that's really what power is. It's strength expressed quickly. And for the marathoner, we just need a little bit less of that. You know, I think some of it is definitely helpful, especially because, you know, it's not like we are directly training you know, your ability to explode off the line, but part of the, the benefit of doing that more power oriented type of lifting is that it improves your running economy. It improves your efficiency. And so for a marathoner, there's huge benefit in improving your economy because you're just out there for hours and hours, you know, mile after mile, and you don't want to be inefficient. So we want to try to limit our consumption of oxygen when we're out there on the marathon course. And that's going to extend the amount of time that you're feeling good. It's going to extend the amount of time that you can run without fuel. So, you know, if you usually hit the wall at mile 20, you know, maybe you start hitting the wall at mile 22 after some dedicated strength training and you've improved your form and you just feel a lot more, uh, a lot more efficient out there on the race course. And so then you can kind of supplement with better fueling. And next thing, you know, two marathons from now, you're not hitting the wall at all. And so, you know, and, and that's to say, you know, I don't think strength training is the, the cure all here. It's not a panacea, but it, it will help in a lot of different ways. And like you said, Sarah, that 1%, yeah, you might get a 1% better in economy, but then you're also getting 1% better in terms of your injury risk. So you might have one fewer major injury per year than if you weren't lifting. And then a lot of niggles just won't happen at all. So I think there's a lot of benefit there. But back to your question about how to kind of think about this from race to race, it's almost like this sliding scale of intensity, you know? heavier weight, more power for the shorter events, and then, you know, slightly less weight and less power for the longer events, but the goals are still the same in the weight room. So I don't want you to think that, okay, if I'm training for a 50 K ultra or a marathon that I'm going to be going in the gym and I'm going to be lifting for endurance. I'm going to do five sets of an exercise. I'm going to do 20 repetitions we don't really want to lift that way because we are getting so much endurance training when we're out there running. So when we're in the weight room, instead of looking to get some sort of endurance stimulus, we want to be working on strength. We want to be working on power. We don't need any extra endurance stimulus because we want different physical skills. It's sort of like, you know, when you're doing a long run, what are we doing? We're sort of just building general endurance. When we're doing a tempo run, what are we doing? we're sort of building more specific endurance, but still endurance just built in a, in a different way. And then when we're doing a, you know, VO two max workout on the track, totally different physical skill. So there's a time and a place to really focus on a lot of different physical skills that we need as runners. And I think it's just a mistake to ignore one of those skills. You know, we got to focus on power and explosivity and if you're not like a 17 year old runner, who's sprinting on the track three days a week and, you know, just doing very short, fast reps, you probably need the strength training to make up for that lack of sprinting and that lack of power in your run training. 
So, you know, it, it's not a huge difference between the events. It's more just a matter of focus, a little bit more on the power and explosivity for the shorter events and a little bit less for the longer stuff. I really like the way you broke that down. Uh, I think it's just very easily digestible. And um, I, I've personally, through my own experiences, having been more in the, I'll call it bodybuilding space, just in terms of how you, how you train um, and then shifting into endurance sport, I've found that there are carryover benefits. One thing that I did want to ask you about is, you know, when we talk about strength training, sometimes you were, you were mentioning uh, dynamic warmups and things like that. And then the movements that we can do after our runs. And I was going to ask you about the role of activating specific muscles. And then my own experience is, is just seeing that when you can have a better mind muscle connection with your muscles during a run, especially as you hit those more fatigue states, um, that we find if we're pushing fast paces or long miles, um, I've found a great benefit of just being able to activate those muscles because the connection's been built through strength training. Um, so I guess my question's kind of open-ended in that fact is that have you seen benefits and is that something that you also communicate um, through your methodologies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the big benefits of strength training is you know, improving your coordination. And that's sort of like this big, broad word. You know, How do we really think about that? Well, it happens in a couple different ways. Number one, I, I do think running is a fairly one-dimensional sport. You know, we are running as hard as we can straight ahead. That's pretty much the sport of running. You know, if you're on a track, you're you're turning to the left every hundred meters. You know, that doesn't leave a lot of opportunity to build athleticism, to build those kinds of skills of coordination, of proprioception, of you know, knowing where your body is in space and, and how to move your body. And so, you know, I, I love, I love runners who run the short events because they do require a little bit more athleticism, you know, runners who do cross country and trail races and a steeplechase. I just love all that because it's, it, it's such a demanding form of running that it really bleeds over into the other, uh, you know, more pure forms of, of racing, you know, just like the, the 5k, you know, on a track or on the road. Um, but the warm up and the strength training too, they're all really going to help your, your economy because of that, because of the enhanced coordination and understanding how your muscles are firing, how they're relating to each other. And the more body awareness that you have, the better you're going to be as a runner. And, that, and that's going to take a lot of different forms. So for example, if, you know, Austin, you have this back background in more bodybuilding oriented strength training, you know, you know how to engage all of your muscles because you have been isolating those muscles in the gym. And so when you are running uphill or when you're trying to run really fast, or even if, you know, let's say you're, you're 18 miles into a 20 mile long run and you're just bone tired and you've got 15, 20 minutes left, you are going to be much better at steering the ship. And when I say steering the ship, I'm borrowing that phrase from a physical therapist I had on my podcast. And he had this great analogy where it's like, look, you are the captain of your ship. You're responsible for steering that ship, no matter what the weather is like. And that analogy is essentially, you're responsible for controlling the way your body moves, no matter what your fatigue level is like. Now, if you are not strong and, and you don't have the experience of knowing what your muscles kind of feel like and how to engage them and how to activate them. And also 
how to do all that at varying fatigue levels. You know, you, you feel a lot different at mile one of a marathon than you do at mile 25. And even in the long run or, you know, repetition one of a 400 compared with repetition 10, knowing how your body responds to all those different scenarios is going to make you into a better runner because you're going to be able to better steer the ship. That's going to help you race faster. It's also going to help you reduce your injury risk because a lot of that injury risk happens when you're tired, when your form starts to suffer, you know, when you start getting sloppy with your foot strike, or you start leaning back or leaning forward from the waist. A lot of those things are, you know, number one, a strength issue. So you need to be strong enough to actually maintain good form when you're tired. But a lot of it is just experience of, of just knowing wow, my form is falling apart right now. I am aware of this. And you know that partly comes from just experience. Partly it comes from doing all of this other work to make you aware of how your body moves, how your muscles feel at different fatigue levels. And then that bleeds into all the other aspects of your training. And I think it certainly helps at the end of races, long runs, and workouts when you are really tired. Yeah, that is, that's a really powerful message. And that's something that I'm definitely going to keep with me throughout this marathon training block. And um, something that I hope, you know, the listeners to this podcast can really relate to, because I know I can. Um, and it's that, you know, there are miles, especially in long runs. That's a really good example, because it takes potentially hours to complete uh, a long run. And, and it's very easy to get lazy out there. And who can really blame you for getting a little bit lazy as you run mile 18, 19, or 20? But every step can truly matter when you're running a marathon or a half marathon because the efficiency of your running will ultimately translate into how much energy you have left in those later miles and also how all of that translates to the paces that you're putting out. Um, I know that we've kind of been talking about two areas of strength training. Let's say that we have an athlete who is primarily doing some of those injury prevention movements, and that is the base of their strength training. And maybe they're wondering if they need to graduate a little bit to maybe load-bearing movements. What is your recommendation or your guidance to athletes who may be kind of on the cusp of graduating into potentially the weight room? Yeah, I think they should do it. You know, I, I think you know, when we talk about progression of strength training, we can certainly start with body weight and then we can add in some weighted implements, really simple home gym type of equipment. You know, if you have a kettlebell, if you have a couple dumbbells or even those resistance bands, like we've mentioned previously, those are all great ways just to start adding in some resistance into your strength training routine. But if you have been doing some body weight exercises, you know, consistently for, you know, let's just say four to eight weeks, you know, you've, you've built it into a good habit. Um, and you want to take the next step. You know, there's certainly some runners who never want to step in a weight room. And, and for them, I say, okay, you know, if you really don't want to do it, you know, I'm not going to make you do it. You know, we can do some things at home that will get you 90% of the way there, even though I think lifting in a gym is ideal. But if you do have that experience with body weight exercises and you actually want to lift weights, I say, let's do it. Let's jump into the weight room. Let's follow a good program and let's progress intelligently. You know, I think a lot of the times we 
kind of hold ourselves back a little bit by saying, oh, well, I've, I've got to lift a medicine ball for a couple months first. And before I you know, start doing a barbell, it's like, no, well, well, let's just keep the barbell very lightly weighted and we can just start doing those movements because it's not necessarily how much weight you're lifting. That's the most important thing about what we're doing in the gym. You know, obviously that's somewhat important, but the most important thing is having some resistance and getting good at the movements because, you know, we've been talking a lot about coordination and, you know, a good strength coach once told me that strength training is essentially coordination training under resistance. And I love that line. It's just a great way of conceptualizing weightlifting, particularly for runners. We are doing coordination training under resistance. And that is really, really helpful. We don't have to load up the bar with a ton of weight. We can, you know, maybe not put any weight on the bar and just have the barbell itself. And I certainly have some clients right now that are just getting into weightlifting and they are just lifting the bar and that's totally fine, but they are working on those movements. You know, can you get into a deep squat? Can you hold the barbell above your head and do a press? Can you hold the bar above your head and do an overhead squat? That's a fairly advanced type of squat. You know, we certainly don't want to do that with a lot of weight before we're ready for it, but if someone is interested in the weight room and they have some background with weightlifting or even just basic strength training at home and they're running a little bit, I don't see any reason why we can't start uh, a good strength program as long as we keep the weights, you know, at a reasonable level. Yeah. And it's funny, you mentioned body weight movements. I think it's, I think it's really important for people to understand, um, you know, body weight movements are great no matter where you're at in the journey. Like if you are at the point where you are doing load bearing movements. Personally, I found myself doing body weight squats before and after my run. I, I like it as kind of an engagement movement, uh, activation movement for my muscles. And I just think it's important to understand that, you know, all of this is effective for our running. It's something that can be implemented and, and the results that you can see are both immediate and they're, they're in the longer term as well. So, yeah. you know, Go ahead. Sorry, Austin. I was just going to jump in and, and say, like, I think two of the big points that I want to get across that you've you've alluded to is number one, something is better than nothing. So if you're totally new to strength training, let's just start with something. We can get fancy later. We can get really strategic later on, but something is still better than nothing. And just getting in a little bit of that range of motion and strength and mobility benefit of strength training is going to be huge. Um, and, and the other thing that I was going to say is, is absolutely like, this is not a binary issue of body weight or weightlifting in a gym. We definitely want to be doing both. You know, I think the ideal strength training schedule for every runner is sandwiching every run dynamic warm up before you go running some type of 10, 15, 20 minute body weight strength routine afterward, but twice a week, you're getting in the gym to do some more dedicated weightlifting. And, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those, one of those general structures that you can look at a high school track team. You can look at a, a, one of the best university track teams in the country, or you can look at how pro runners structure their training and almost to a T they are all doing some type of dynamic warm up before they head out for a run. They are also doing some type of calisthenics or body weight strength work or mobility work, something like that after every run, you know, it's very rare to see a pro runner or even a, a college runner go for a run, 
and then just take a shower and get on with their day. They're doing something after the run. And then of course, pro runners are definitely doing, you know, some weightlifting in the gym. So that general structure I think is ideal. And of course it, it borrows from both worlds. We're going to do this, the power and explosivity stuff in the gym twice a week, but most of the strength training that we're doing is going to be much easier, mostly body weight, and it's geared towards injury prevention. So like you said, Austin, you know, we're going to do both and, and there's real value in both of those. So I don't want folks to think that you know, once you graduate to weightlifting, you're just in the gym twice a week and you don't have to do any of the body weight stuff afterward. I think both are, are absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely, it's all super important. And if you can make the time, um, definitely, definitely do that. And a big, or a tip that I like to give all of the elevate athletes, I prescribe typically based on time, um, outside of the long run and if an athlete has 60 minute, a 60 minute run on their schedule, buffer in 80 minutes. So you're doing, or maybe even 90 minutes. So you are doing the mobility before the run, you're getting the run in and you have some extra time before you need to start your day or jump in the shower, or make breakfast or um, take your kids to school or whatever that is for you to be able to do the stretching, do some body weight movements and get some of that strength training in because it's very, very easy to let it go and think I'll do it tomorrow. Um, but life is now training is now we get to do it today. Um, and just getting yourself in that momentum consistency is key. Um, is, is a great way to, um, to set yourself up for success because when we are running a marathon, let's say there's so many, how, how many steps are we running in a marathon? 40,000, 50,000 steps. If you're doing strength training, you are essentially taking and strengthening your body. So you're taking maybe very small percentage of time off of each step. But if you're taking 40 to 50,000 steps, it will add up for sure. Um, Jason, as let's say we have a lot of marathoners that listen to the podcast. As we get closer to race day, we taper down miles. Do you suggest that we also taper down the strength training and at what part or at what piece of the training does that happen? Is it very similar to when the miles start to decrease or is it totally different? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm a huge believer in periodizing weightlifting, just like we periodize our running. You know, we kind of go through base training and then our workouts get more challenging and race specific. Our mileage peaks, we might do some tune-up races and then things start to taper down as we get ready for that goal race at the end of the season. Just like our running sort of progresses along that general journey from beginning of season to end of season, our weightlifting in the gym should progress as well. And I do think this is separate from the body weight strength training because the intensity of that is so low. We really don't need to periodize it in the same way. But, you know, when we're doing power-based movements in the gym, when we're lifting relatively heavy weight, I do think it's very valuable to periodize the strength training in a, in a very similar way as uh, our running. So for example, um, if you have a 16-week training program, you know, the first four weeks might be very similar to base training. You know, maybe you're doing three sets of 10 repetitions. Maybe you're focusing on, you know, very fundamental types of strength exercises like squats and deadlifts and say the press. I, I do like the press. It's a great uh, overhead 
uh, standing exercise. So it's done standing, which I like for runners. Uh, it's also a core exercise, which makes it a little bit more beneficial for runners. So those types of exercises are great at the beginning and frankly, for the duration of the entire season, but we do want to make them a little bit more challenging. We want to add weight as we go through the season. And then, you know, the next, after those first, like maybe four weeks or so, we want to start adding in some complexity. We want to start uh, adding in more weight. And then maybe halfway through the season, we want to start adding in a little bit more of that power oriented work. This is where we can also start adding in some plyometrics. Plyometrics are fun because, you know, they're not really a strength exercise. They're not really a mobility drill. You know, like what is a plyometric? It's kind of its own category, right? And the way I think about plyometric is that it's a drill that helps runners bridge the gap between their strength and their speed. So plyometrics really help you express how strong you are as quickly as you can. So really helpful for shorter distance specialists, but again, even for marathoners can be really helpful for improving your economy. And that's how you would progress in maybe the final four to eight weeks of a marathon training season. You start adding in those plyometrics, adding in some of those more power and explosive oriented exercises in the gym. But then just like a training plan starts tapering down at the end by, well, how do, how do we do it? How do we taper? We essentially reduce the volume while either maintaining or slightly increasing the intensity of the training. And that leaves you fast and feeling good and quick and responsive. And like, you've got some pop in your step, like your stride just feels bouncy. Like if you feel like you are ready to explode off the starting line, you've done a good taper. And the strength training should be similar to that. We want to reduce the volume substantially, but maintain or maybe even slightly increase the weight or intensity of our lifting. So we're not really lifting very much in those, you know, maybe final two weeks of the lifting program as we get ready for the marathon, but the volume's low, but we are lifting relatively heavy weight. We're really just kind of stressing the system a little bit rather than really fatiguing the system. You know, we can you know, the, the 20 mile long runs, the big workouts, the hard weightlifting sessions, those are great, you know, in the first two thirds, maybe 75% of the training cycle, but things do start to have to get a little bit easier as we lead up to that goal race. And so we're going to see that in our running. And we're also going to see it in our weightlifting too. And let's say that we have a, a 10 to 14 day taper. Is that that period of heavier lifting? Is that coming before that 10 to 14 day taper? Like right at that peak level of fitness and running, or is it actually happening within the taper? I would say that the peak isn't necessarily during the taper because that might just cause too much fatigue. You know, you maybe will lift your heaviest lift during the taper, but the volume is so low that you actually are not nearly as fatigued as a much easier workout three, four or five weeks earlier, but is just much more high volume. You know, it would almost be like, you know, in the middle of your season, you're running uh, a 10 by a thousand at, you know, a 10 K pace. And then later on you're running four by a thousand at five K pace. It's faster, but the volume is so much lower that the prior workout is going to be more challenging. It's just going to leave you feeling a lot more fatigued than the shorter, faster workout. And the other thing too, is we're going to manipulate the rest. So you might get more rest during the taper in between lifts, just like you might get more rest in a workout too. Yeah. I really love that point. And I think, you know, as you were talking about that, I was, I was considering 
you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. And I think that's oftentimes that can be a big turnoff for especially runners if they're trying to do weight bearing movements because they realize that they're sore for a few days afterwards. And uh, maybe that's not something that they appreciate when they're going out on on their runs in the days that follow. But I will say, um, just from my experiences, there's definitely benefits that you can gain from that. If you have a run to do on heavy legs and tired legs, use that to your advantage. There's definitely ways that we can we can flip those situations and make them beneficial for us. And then also the soreness does get better because as you were mentioning, you know, dropping the amount of sets or dropping the amount of of uh, reps, but then raising the weight, you're not actually going to get as sore probably from that, but you're going to see the benefit that you get from it. You're going to see the strength that you've been building for hopefully months in the same way that when you're peaking for a marathon, you look down at the splits from your workout and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? It just doesn't even feel like it was nearly as hard as it was eight weeks ago. And I think that that is something that we can all look forward to, no matter where we're at in this journey, is take where you were and look at how far you've come, because this is all relative. Our paces are relative. The weight that we lift is relative. The way that we train in terms of our our schedule is relative to who we are, not only as a runner and athlete, but also as a person. So I think that keeping it all individual and respecting where we're at in this process is an extremely important point to make. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the issue of soreness is, is an interesting one too, because, you know, look, we are runners. We're not weightlifters, even though we're sitting here talking about weightlifting way more than I would like to, <laughs> but no, if you're very sore from your lifting sessions, and, and this is beyond maybe the first two, three, four weeks of your journey in the weight room, you're probably lifting too much weight or you're just, uh, your workout itself is just too long. So I always like to think that, you know, any, any strength training that we're doing, whether it's body weight or we're in the gym, lifting heavier weights, it always has to be in service of our running. It has to supplement our running. It has to make our running better. And if you're so sore or tired from a lifting session that you can't hit your splits in a workout, or you have to cut a run short, or you can't do your long run, or you know, pick your poison, then we need to modify the weightlifting. Because the weightlifting, I would rather you be at 80% in the weight room rather than 90% or 100%, and then be able to do all your running training than, you know, really going hard in the weight room. And then you're having to cut runs short, you know, you're bombing workouts because you just, you, you know, your legs are fried from all the heavy weight that you're putting up. So we should always make sure that our weightlifting is in service of our running and making it better. And so usually that means just making our workout shorter or reducing the weight a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think another point to make is that movement and you've mentioned this already, but just the form and the technique of our movement patterns is above all else. Um, because I think that a lot of people can easily get turned off from strength training because they're trying to do a squat and their lower back hurts for days afterwards. And what needs to happen is we need to focus on the movement pattern a little bit more. Uh, we've already talked about body weight squats. I think, I think that's extremely effective and something that we can all start from no matter where we're at in this process. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with 
strength running. I know you have a podcast. I know you have a business. Just give us a little bit of background on you before we wrap up here today. Yeah. Strength running is a media company. We have a podcast in the strength running podcast. We also have a YouTube channel. So that's at youtube.com slash strength running. Um, and the strength running website at strengthrunning.com is where you know, you can find the strength running blog. I think we have close to a thousand published articles at this point. So it, it's been something I've been working on pretty consistently since 2010. So for quite a while. And, you know, I, I basically try to help runners become better runners. That is my shtick in a, a one sentence. I want to help you accomplish your goal. No matter if your goal is to run a 5k without stopping or qualify for Boston or get in the gym twice a week and lift like an animal because you want to be the best runner you can be. So I basically try to help runners avoid all the mistakes that I made in my running career because, you know, I was a very injury prone athlete. I was not a very intelligent athlete. I didn't think strength training was, was very beneficial for runners until very late in my running career. And once I started embracing some of those best practices that I started discovering, you know, with just being on a, on a college team, having some exposure to professional runners and really seeing how they approach their training. And not to mention, I've probably read more running books than I'd, I'd care to share publicly. Um, it, it's not something I'm going to be putting on a dating profile anytime soon, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I like to highlight best practices. I like to highlight the fundamentals because they are the fundamentals for a reason. They will get you incredibly far. And you can kind of see that at work in all of my different content, whether it's the podcast or a video or an article, or one of the training programs that we have that are specific to a certain topic that runners care about, like, you know, strength training, for example, or injury prevention, or, or even getting your mindset, right. I really like to focus on what has been proven to work in the lab. So what does the research say is most effective? Also, what is most effective out in the real world? You know, what are the best runners in the world doing? Are they not warming up for their runs and skipping strength training and running their easy days way too fast? No, of course not. They're doing the opposite. So I like, I love to highlight what I think works from a very fundamental perspective and kind of taking how, how a pro runner might train. Or, or how a very good university athlete might train and then scaling that back down for everyone else. So no, you're probably not going to run 120 miles a week. No, you're not going to do three fast workouts a week and a 24 mile long run, but there are lessons we can learn from the best runners in the world and then apply those lessons to wherever you're at in your running journey. So, you know, that, that's what, that's how I like to structure the way I think about running. And you can see that in the entire strength running business. You know, I don't have a, you know, a certain system or methodology of training because, you know, any, I think any copyrighted or, you know, branded type of approach to, to running, whether it's, you know, I, I like to make fun of the pose method when it comes to running form, because, you know, they've essentially branded good running form. And, and that to me is just ridiculous. You know, every good coach is essentially telling their athletes to run with effective form. You don't need to, you don't need to subscribe to a, a copyrighted approach to that. Uh, and so that's the same approach that I take with all of my material and my coaching philosophy. And, um, 
yeah, it's, it's been a great journey since 2010. You know, I've been, uh, doing this for a really long time. I went full-time with strength running in 2012. So I am actually coming up on my 10 year anniversary of doing this full-time in about a week. So very thrilled about that. And it's just been a wonderful journey and I wouldn't have it any other way. Cause I just love the running community. I love that so much. That's just so great. Jason, thank you so much for your time. Where can our audience find you um, on social? Yeah, I am at JasonFitz1 on Twitter and Instagram. On YouTube, uh, it's youtube.com slash strengthrunning. The podcast is the Strength Running Podcast. And then the site is strengthrunning.com. So you can find me any of those different platforms. If you want to connect, shoot me a message. If you have a question, I'd be happy to help. Awesome. Happy 10-year anniversary. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Austin, where can our audience find you? You can find me on Instagram at AustinMyers12. Great. And uh, you can find me and Elevate Your Running um, on Instagram and Twitter at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H Runs Happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you everyone for listening today. Jason, I loved our conversation. I think strength training is so, so important. So I know our audience um, hopefully has some nuggets that they can use in their training to set them up for success this fall with all the great fall racing that we have. And I hope everyone has a great week. Thanks for listening in my friends. If you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate a review in Apple music or wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts. And for those who want to learn more about strength training, get our free email course at strengthrunning.com strength. And if you love this podcast, please consider supporting our sponsors who help make it possible. First, I want to hook you up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You'll get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what you like best. Right now, watermelon is definitely my number one and citrus is coming in in the second place position. Amazing flavors, And I really hope that you're able to try some element salt. They make electrolytes for athletes and also low carb folks. And the great thing is that it doesn't have any sugar, no artificial ingredients and no artificial colors. And it's surprisingly delicious. Seriously, everyone who I've given it to loves it. And it can be really a really helpful way to prevent dehydration this summer. If you sometimes feel overly tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness after long runs or workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or a deficiency. You can boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat this summer, with Elemental Labs. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional baseball, hockey, and basketball teams are on regular subscriptions. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to get your free sample pack gift with a purchase and you'll get your hydration optimized for the upcoming summer season. I'm also grateful for the support of Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. I personally struggle with eating healthy. What can I say? Onion rings and pizza are definitely my kryptonite. So (laughs) I'm finding their product AG1 really helpful especially when I'm training really hard. One scoop of AG1 gives me 75 vitamins and minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens, superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. 
AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps that are in my diet because I know I have those gaps and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. I've just had all three of my kids start school again and I just cannot wait for all of the little kid germs that are gonna be coming home. I'm grateful that I have AG1 to help boost that immune system. But what I really love about AG1 too is that it changes. Over the last decade, they've made 53 improvements to the formula based on the latest research to help make all those nutrients more absorbable and more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment or for a monthly drop if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show, my friends. Support us by using our sponsor links, reviewing the podcast, or getting a training program for yourself at strengthrunning.com. And I'm always here to help, so don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site, or if you'd like to message me on Twitter or Instagram, my handle is Jason Fitz one We'll be in touch soon.